Are you thankful for Jesus today? Did you let Jesus know how much you love him? The Bible says it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated today. Once you're seated, would you do me a favor and let's welcome all those joining us on Facebook Live. Let them know how awesome it is to have them today. We are excited to continue our Nehemiah series. I have my big King James Bible in this hand. Over here I have my iPad. Thank God that I found it. My uh, two little guys, I have four kids. My two little guys are constantly taking my iPad. Uh, anyone that you have kids that will take your iPads, your phones, your chargers. Anyone have a hard time just keeping a charger by your bed? Like, leave my stuff alone. Uh, I actually told Micaiah, he's my little boy. I was telling Angel this morning, I told Micaiah, Micaiah, buddy, this has like thousands of messages and stuff on here. Stop taking my iPad. You know what he told me? He's like, you start hiding it on me. Uh, that was his response. Like, uh, no, that's not how this works. Um, I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad that the coach, tonight's our Enneagram night, our family night, our life night. It's going to be, we're over 200 people signed up for tonight. So whether that's your family, marriage, parenting, co-workers, it's good to know yourself. It's good to know others. But the coach is in the house. Andrea Isaacs, they also pastor several locations in Louisville. Would you welcome Jason and Andrea Isaacs to StorySide? It is not too late to get registered uh, and to join us tonight. There'll be refreshments, all kinds of great things that's happening tonight. All of our locations coming together. It's going to be an incredible time tonight. I would like to pray the Lord's Prayer together if we can. I love the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I think it starts so purely by saying, hallowed be thy name. I heard about the little boy who actually quoted it, our Father who art in, he in heaven, herald be thy name. That word is actually hallowed, which means set aside, set apart. And it's important to make sure we seek first the kingdom of God. And then as it goes through the Lord's Prayer, challenges us about forgiveness and temptation and so many wonderful things. And it concludes by saying, for thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is the glory, which again is a reminder that it's not about you and I. It's about him. It's about him. It's all about him. And so let's, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. If you would close your eyes with me, let's just say it all over the room and those joining us online. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Are you ready for God's word today? We are going to start. I'm going to touch in Nehemiah. We've been going through the book of Nehemiah. I'm going to touch in Nehemiah 7. Briefly hit Nehemiah 8, which we'll be covering again next week, uh, and then I'm going to, to go to Nehemiah chapter 10. So we have been focusing on different passages of Scripture, if you want to catch those on YouTube, those of you that watch the replay on Facebook or TV, uh, listen to them on our podcast or StorySide app, you can do that. Uh, but we have started with Nehemiah 1, we're going through things in our lives that have been broken, uh, buried, burned, and how God can work with broken bricks, God can restore 
And so we are picking up in Nehemiah chapter number 7. And what I want you to notice from chapter number 7, because chapter number 7 is a chapter you can skip over. If you're not careful, you're going to see all kinds of crazy names. Most of them are going to be hard to pronounce. And then it's going to give you a lot of unique numbers like three score and words like that. And you're going to look at it and you're going to be like, let's just go to chapter 8. But before we go to chapter 8, I just want to press pause for a second and I want you to notice something about chapter 7. Chapter 7 and verse number 5, Nehemiah said, God put it on my heart. How many knows that's important if God puts something on your heart? Nehemiah said, God put something on my heart. And that was that we are going to number, we're going to number the people. And so he has different groups. He numbers them 2,172, 372, 652, 2,818, 1,254, 845. I took a picture of my Bible. So this is my Bible with the numbers on the side. And you will see a picture of that uh, to save reading all of them, 760, 648, 628, 2,322, 667, uh, 2,067, 655. There's little numbers that you'll see like 52, you'll see the number 42, uh, and then you'll see numbers that are in the thousands. See that? What I want you to notice today is that he takes numbers and he ties them to names. So he'll give a number, and then he'll tell you the names or the family that it's tied to. Because the enemy sometimes loves to lie to us and tell us that we're just a statistic, that we're just a number, that God doesn't really know where Danny Dumas is at. God doesn't really know where the Adams are at in their life. God doesn't really know where Lily's at in her life. That's a lie. God put it in the heart. This started with God. God put it in the heart of Nehemiah. I want you to tie the number with the name. I know there's billions of people. I know it's a big planet. But he still could count the hair on your head. He still can order your steps. He still knows where you're at. The eyes of the Lord are still watching Are you thankful today that it's not just a number, but that you're actually a son or a daughter of God, and He knows you, He knows you by name? I heard the old story from years back about the professor that gave his students a pop quiz. One of the students, his name was Mark. Mark was a conscientious student and had breezed through all of the questions on the test, until he read the last one. The last question on the test said, what is the name of the woman who cleans our section or area of the school? Mark began to think to himself, surely this must be some kind of joke. He had seen the woman several times. She's tall, dark hair, probably in her 50s, but But how would I know her name, Mark thought. He handed in the paper, leaving the last question blank. Just before class ended, one student asked if the last question would count towards the grade. The professor responded, 
Absolutely. In your careers, you will meet many people. All are significant. They each deserve your attention and care, even if all you do is smile and say hello. Mark would later write that he never forgot that lesson. He learned her name was Dorothy. And Mark said, I learned that everyone in your life is someone. God doesn't just have a number. He knows your name. People will often ask, Pastor Micah, how many people does StorySide have on a weekend? Pastor Micah, how is Mount Vernon doing? 192 last week. How is Ontario doing? The last two weeks, 121, 115. But it's somewhat of an unfair question when people will ask just for the number. It's a great reminder for us to tell ourselves. It's not just the number. Tell me about the name. You see, in our parking lot team, I love our parking lot team, whether it's raining, snow, inclement weather. They value carrying an umbrella. They value helping that mom with a child. You see the parking, whether or not it's for our veterans or people who are pregnant or elderly or seniors or handicapped. Their parking will line up from one side to the other, and our parking lot team loves the opportunity to serve on uh, the parking areas of, of our property. That team is 27 people. We have a hospitality team. There's 10 of them that on any given Sunday will be waiting if someone puts on their flasher lights to say I'm new or if there's someone that needs assistance. Our hospitality team is going to meet them, introduce themselves, show you around, answer questions. We, we don't want people to come to StorySide and feel like it's us and them, like it's the churchgoers and then it's those other people. We want you to feel like from the moment you pull on the property, you're welcomed, you're loved, we're glad you're here, you're a VIP to us. We have greeters, 61. They have a goal to greeting. We position them in different places. At some places, they're just going to smile and greet. At other places, they may hand you something like communion today. But there's actually a goal as to where they stand, what they're doing, and what the win of that day is. 61 of them. We would have 66 ushers. We have a tent when we say, if you want to come tonight, sign up at the tent. If you want to get a following Jesus book, if you gave your life to Christ, stop by the tent. There's 12 who serve at the tent. Our new cafe that, although we have free coffee, the cafe is specialty drinks, and they're fantastic. There, there are 22 that work in the cafe, five at HQ. I loved our worship time today. People that are singing, people that are playing instruments, people that will prepare for hours and hours and hours. They're here for hours on Tuesday nights and early mornings on Sunday to prepare for our time of worship. There's 37. 37 people on the worship team. There's 17 in production. Our message can go around the world. Every week I see people that will tell me, watching from England, watching from Nigeria, watching from different places around North America, and you'll let us know a prayer request or where you're watching. That's because there are people willing to run a camera, and some people on the second level, and 
TVs are in an enclosed room all lined up on a wall and they're looking at different angles and they're talking to each other so that the good news of Christ, of Jesus, could go around the world. There's 17 people that value production in our kids' ministry. We have 130 who have signed up to serve in kids' ministry. We have 18 on the safety team. Zach Adkins, police officer, sheriffs, people who have served our country that, that will come service after service and stand by kids' check-in, stand by doors, and watch to make sure the floor is okay and there's no excessive puddles or especially as winter comes, they just want to make sure that your kids are safe and that you're safe. There's 18 on that team. I don't have time to get into all of them because we have student teams and event teams and community teams and feeding teams and we have freedom nights. I came by Tuesday night, there was almost 30 at freedom nights. We have people that serve in all of these different areas. But I would be remiss if I just went through my own chapter 7 and told you all of the numbers without taking some time to tell you. I'm thankful for Josh Parker I'm thankful for Rendell Shira, thankful for Zach Adkins, I'm thankful for Andy Kale, who are on the safety team. Those are the name that's with the number. Or Cheryl, or Chelsea Prater, or Jenna Whitcomb, who they told me that if someone calls off, Jenna's like, I'm here. If someone doesn't show up, pick me. I will step in. We're not going to drop the ball. Or Brandy Grog. Or Kim Yates, or Heidi Martin, or the Sutherlands, who I saw in the lobby today. He has his story side shirt on, he's got his little story side hat bent down. His cute little wife, Becky, who's back there. They've been greeters for years. Maybe you don't know them well, but I don't want you just to see them as a number. I want you to know they have a name. Roger and Becky Sutherland and Storyside wouldn't be Storyside without the Sutherlands. Laura Schwartz and Gracie Meyer and Maddie Shields and Aaron Scott and Jason Counts, who I see down here in the third row. Jason, a lot of times, will be trying to like get down low and sneak and hide with cameras so he doesn't distract your worship, but he's trying to get behind a drummer, behind someone on the keyboard, so that in the room or Facebook Live, you get the feel of the entire room and the message. A lot of you may not know Jason Counts, but, but I just want to put a name with a number today. Thank God for people like Jason Counts who believe in the good news, the gospel, both in this region and around the world. Holly Littleton. And the list goes on and on and on. But I want to be reminded in chapter 7 before we skip over that chapter that God, God put it in the heart of Nehemiah, don't just say numbers. Tie a number to a name. In chapter number 8, the next chapter, I just want to read one verse because we'll revisit chapter 8 next week. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion, and beside him, Matt, let's go with Shema, 
Haniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, that other person on his left, Hadiah, Mishael, and those other people. Uh Thank God that we get into like the Joes and Marks and Brads and Matthews and Danny. Where that all switched, but thank God. I tried to remember people's names, and if it was this, it'd be a lot harder. Shout out to Nehemiah. I just want you to notice beside, beside Ezra. So the names you're going to see in 8, 9, and 10 of these chapters. So Nehemiah is going to be a lot of chapter 1 through 7 and chapter 11 forward. Here we're going to hear about Ezra and the word of the Lord in these chapters. But, but what I want you to notice is that in this chapter with Ezra, it says beside him. Beside him. And I have realized, I went to Bible college in 1990, and so 29 years of some form of training or ministry or internships or pastoring, one thing I've realized is that we would never be able to accomplish what we accomplish with just Ezra on a stage. It says they built a stage or a platform, and Ezra got up there with a Bible, right? But but we're not going to accomplish everything we need to accomplish if it's just one guy, some lone ranger all by himself with a Bible. We need those other people beside him. And so beside me could be everyone from Pastors Matt and Desiree, Pastor Kristen, Pastor Josiah, and Whitney. And definitely, I've shared this many times, but my wife, I would not be here if it wasn't for my wife, Angel Pelkey. And then beside them, we have people like our board of directors, our outside accountability. I think of people like Junior Powers. I saw Bryce Smith down here, Greg Kibler, Chad Thaker, so many different guys who have served multiple terms on our church board and and people that have come alongside to help staff and leaders and volunteer staff. I just want you to notice in chapter number eight, it's not just Ezra with the Bible. It's people who came along beside And I am so grateful over the years for all of the people that have been willing to stand beside Micah and Angel Pelkey. And just a shout out of appreciation to all those people. That's what helps us build the wall and maintain the city, is people who are willing to be beside us. We is greater than me, right? We is greater than me. As we close our message today, we're going to land in Nehemiah chapter number 10. Nehemiah chapter number 10. Verse 32, will you say these first four words with me of verse 32? We assume the responsibility. Can we say it again? We assume, some of you are getting nervous, like what am I assuming the responsibility for? Why am I saying this before you tell me? Let's say it one more time. Then we're going to have you sign something. Um, Let's say it again. We, We assume We assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each for the service of the house of our God. King James Version says they made an ordinance. For the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbath, new moon feast, appointed festivals, holy offerings, sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, for all the duties of the house of our God, we, the priests, the Levites, and the people have cast lots to determine which each of our families is to bring to the house of our God at set times each year a contribution of wood to burn on the altar of the Lord our God. We also assume, here it is again, we also assume responsibility 
for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and every fruit tree. As it is written in the law, we'll bring the firstborn of our sons, our cattle, our herds, our flocks to the house of our God, to the ministering priests there. Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, grain offerings, fruit of all of our trees, new wine, olive oil. We will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we, where we work. Everyone say work. A priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes, and the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of our God to the storerooms of the treasury. Last verse, the people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine, olive oil to the storerooms where the articles for the sanctuary and for the ministering priests, the gatekeepers, musicians are kept. We will not neglect the house of our God. We'll not neglect the house of our God. So we're studying these last few weeks through a story, a historical account in the Bible that's thousands of years old. And so the Bible would use words like ensample, meaning example, that you look at those stories not so much like, I need to build a wall around my house. Many of you don't build a wall around your house per se, but you do put in a security system, right? Like you may not totally understand when they're saying like, we've got to protect our... Like some of you may just lock your car today. Like you get out of your vehicle today and you're like, beep. Some of you are like, beep, 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 beep. Like we got it. We got it's locked. Seven beeps in. You're like, okay, I'm good. God's perfect number. Um, so you don't always want to read these stories and take them to be exact identical, right? So you could read these stories about giving and generosity and tithe and shekels and corn and grain and like you're going to go home and get a bunch of bundles of corn and wood and bring it to us this afternoon. We, we don't need your wooden corn today. So you don't want to take it exact. You want to take the principle of the passage. The principle of the passage is we will not neglect the house of our God. The principle of the passage is we value these moments together. We value that God has blessed us with a place for our children and our students and freedom nights and and we're thankful for that and we will not neglect the house of our God. For that to take place, if you notice as we were reading those verses, verse 37 talked about people working. We cannot have provision for God's commission, His vision, His house. We cannot have that if people are not willing to work. Work. And when you give your life to Christ, you often will begin to feel like, if I'm really going to be sold out to God, then I need to be a missionary. Or, Pastor Micah, will you hire me? You would be, you would be shocked at the amount of people that over the years have said things like that to me. Like, I'm working at a factory, working at a company, I'm working this shift. Like, like if I'm really going to live for God, then I need to do something more spiritual. Because what I'm doing is not really as Christian as what I want it to be. And those people, if they're not careful, they do not see the worth in their work. 
it's important to see the worth in your work. So if everyone came to work at a church, right? We're all going to do hospital calls. We're all going to do counseling. We're all going to do community events. We're all going to meet with marriages that are struggling or deal with affairs and addictions. Let's all do that. And nobody wants to work somewhere that makes that chair. Then we come in today with no place to sit. If nobody feels called to say, what if we designed something that would have a super thin cable or cord that would go to this little pack that would then run through this tiny, small microphone to a transmitter or base all the way in the back of the room. And then, what if we create systems and technology to where this could tie into a sound system and cameras and computers, and then my voice could go through that, and then that, and then get to there, and then Nigeria and England and Canada. What if no one ever felt called to do that? Someone is around the world somewhere making shoes, making a podium. Do you see what I'm saying? That you don't want to minimize how blessed you are to work. Don't let the devil lie to your mind that you're saying, I'm not making a difference, I'm not having an impact. You don't know that what you're doing is not being handed off to the next person and the next person. And you could say, I'm just making a car. Well, that car is going to be used for someone to go on a date night that could help save their marriage. You could start, come on, thank God for your job today. Thank God for work. You don't realize when you're working part of the bigger plan and the bigger picture how God could be using it for his good. Don't let the enemy lie to you and convince you that you're not part of the kingdom because you don't work at a church or you don't go off to Haiti on a mission trip. You are part of God's big plan doing what you're doing. See the worth in your work. One of the things that I want to draw to your attention in our final few minutes together is that they have, they have rebuilt the city they're, they're taking care of, if you remember, beside their house, in front of their house. They are setting gates and doors. And then they say, we will not, we will not neglect the house of God. We will not neglect the house of God. If we were to think of some things in your life, whether you're in a, a duplex, a condo, a house, maybe it's an apartment, uh, what are some of the things that matter to you? Everyone's list could be different, but what are some of the things that matter to you in your house? Hopefully, hopefully, washing dishes, don't ask for a show of hands, but hopefully you like to at least every couple of meals wipe them off a little bit or something. Uh, ventilation, maybe ventilation matters to you. 
water quality. Like, like, like if you've ever had your water tested and you're, you know, maybe it's for your, your kid's sake or, you know, others, maybe it's skinnish, but I, I know some people, they'll put a water softener in. They're like, we want to have good quality of water. Heating and cooling. Some of you may cut your grass or pull weeds. I always feel like I, I got to explain it and give like a loophole for like the few people who don't care, but like a lot of you will like cut your grass Mold and mildew. E- even those that rent. I've had people over the years that will say, Pastor Micah, I'm in a rental and I'm trying to get a hold of the landlord and, you know, this is leaking and it's mold and mildew and I don't want my kids breathing it in. A lot of people don't like mold and mildew. Leaks, roofing, cleaning, spraying, upkeep. You know what God said in Haggai? It's a different book, but, but God said something to them in Haggai. He said, why, why do you take care of your own houses? And my house lies in ruins. Right? Like, why, why do you do that for your, you won't, Nehemiah and Ezra and the people of God are saying, we will not neglect the house of God. We're not going to neglect the house of God. Since I've been studying, and I actually, even in the last day or two, had thought about putting pictures on the screen. I was just going to drive around uh, the county and put pictures on the screen. I decided against that because the point I am making is not a negative point. It's not a negative point. I'm trying to challenge people. I, I, I began the last week or two to look at churches in our area and, and even, our, even our church, and I feel like we try. But to begin to look at, just in the last week or two, some of the churches that I've drove into the parking lot, I'm not kidding, weeds are this high. Parking lot lines are so blurred, it looks like they haven't been touched in forever. Signs paint chipping off, letters missing. Again, I'm just giving a challenge to all of us today that could we say what the people of God are saying in chapter 10, we accept the responsibility. And we will not neglect. You see, if I was to tell you today, let's spend billions of dollars on Homeland Security. So again, let's take the principle of the passage. Let's build a wall around Jerusalem. Let's work for 52 days and defy Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem. Let's build a wall from morning till night. Let's do it. Many of us would say, I I love safety. Thank God for Homeland. I have a friend, a good friend that works for, for Homeland Security. Pastor Micah, let's do it. If I was to say, let's spend millions and millions of dollars on new elementary schools and educate If I was to say, thank God for public servants and thank God for first responders and if I was to say taxes cover and pay for state parks and public parks, sidewalks and walking trails, highway exits. When we expanded the highway exit up here, to my knowledge, it was just shy of three million so that people could have more of a flow, turning right and left and coming and going. People could hear $2.88 million, $2.88 million for a third lane and be like, absolutely. And yet we build a new church auditorium for 2.3. Stoplights and roads and 
lines and potholes and you hit one of them and you're ready. I, I've heard you're allowed three bad words a day. I don't know that that's true. I've just heard that. You want to use one or two or three of them. You just want to like bundle them up. Right? You know what I'm talking about. I'm just kidding. Man. I'm, to- I'm totally kidding. I'm kidding. Totally kidding. Right? And people would have no problem. Let's fix the potholes. Let's paint the lines. I'm a big sports fan. Let's build a new stadium. Let's put a new turf field in. I'm not against any of these things. We support and sponsor things in the community. People will ask us all the time. We're constantly, it's Ontario or Lexington or Clear Fork or Mansfield. We're constantly trying to help schools and stuff. But people have no problem saying, let's build new tennis courts. Let's put a new field in. Let's get a new scoreboard. Let's renovate a kid's ministry. What? <laughs> you want more money? See what I'm saying? That if we're not careful, we can build a city and neglect a church. When you read these verses, they're saying for the service of the house of God, the duties of the house of God, the gatekeepers, that means the people that are taking care of the peripheral, the musicians, the priests, the spiritual leaders are saying, we're going to bring a shekel, we're going to bring grain and oil, we're going to bring wood and fruit, whatever it takes to take care of them. Nehemiah is saying, we're not just going to build a wall and rebuild houses and not take care of God's house. I heard the joke after the church service Little seven-year-old, little Johnny, said to the preacher, when I grow up, I'm going to give you some money. Well, thank you, the, the preacher replied to little Johnny, but, but why? Little Johnny said, because my dad says you're one of the poorest preachers we've ever heard. <laughs> Verse 32 and 35, we accept the responsibility. We accept the responsibility. That word there, when, when you look at the original writing, it means you're liable, you're accountable for the burden. Can I tell you something today? And this is just general across the body of Christ. Everyone wants the benefits and blessings of church. When we say, what about kids' ministry? What about the community? What about feeding? What about missional? What, what about worship? What about hospitals and dedications and funerals? And what? Everyone wants the benefits and blessings of church, but not everyone wants the burden of church. And the writer here said, we'll accept the responsibility. We don't shy away from it. We don't get nervous. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to step around it like, don't leave, don't walk out, don't quit. They just said, you know what? Just boldly, in writing, we declare, we accept the responsibility. Because we wouldn't want to have communities without the church. We don't want to have Jerusalem without God's house. Am I committed to the church? Do I commit in serving? I recently heard something, and through the night last night, I kept thinking about this statement. I didn't share this Thursday, but, but I recently heard something where a church had canceled their nursery babies uh, ministry, and they put a sign out to get parishioners' attention, members' attention, and the sign said, closed due to lack of interest. They couldn't get anyone to sign up, and that's the sign. Closed due to lack of interest. 
All night long, I kept thinking about that sign, closed due to lack of interest. Like, this is not a concession stand at a football game. We're raising our sons and daughters to know about God and the things of God. Am I committed to the church in my serving? Am I committed to the church in my sacrifice? When you said that without even knowing what I was talking about and you were getting nervous, we accept the responsibility. Do you accept the responsibility of getting your kids to church? Not just logging on Facebook Live and, you know, well, kids, you go play in your room. No, I accept the responsibility to get my kids to God's house. I accept the responsibility to make sure, make sure my students come to, to student nights. I accept the responsibility that if God put me on this street, in this subdivision, that I'm going to share the good news with my neighbors. I accept the responsibility. Do you accept it today? What about sacrifice? Do you accept the responsibility of sowing? They say from recent studies that religious giving is down about 50% since 1990. On average, Christians give 2.5% of their income to churches. To put that in perspective, during the Great Depression, they said giving was around 3.3%. So we are giving substantially less than what they gave in the Great Depression. Tithers make up less than 25% of any congregation. Eight out of ten people who give to churches have zero credit card debt. I think that's a very key point. It's tough to give when you don't have no money. Nearly one-third of Americans pay the minimum on their credit card every month. According to a recent Time magazine article, the average U.S. household has around $16,061 in credit card debt. I heard the joke about the one guy at church was talking about money. He was all the way in the back and he shouted out, I'm broker than the Ten Commandments. It's tough to give if you don't have money. Are you managing your money? Dr. Daniels puts it this way, when we manage our money, we don't always need a miracle with our money. So I want to help you. Greg Kibler, who owns Kibler and Associates Financial, Greg's been a long-standing faithful member of StorySide and his family, his daughter worked for me. Greg's brilliant. Greg, and we have others as well, but Greg has offered free of charge to give us two dates for people to come. And whether or not it's your long-term planning, your finances, maybe you feel like you're burdened. And, and in these moments, people can get nervous and be like, I'm not walking into a room like Pastor Micah, what's people going to think? I want to encourage you today because there are some people, I don't believe 75% of people don't want to give to the church. I don't believe that. I think there are legitimately some people who want to give to the church and you can't. Greg wants to offer two different times dates, one here, one in Mount Vernon. If you could make one of them, 
do some teaching and training, do some Q&A, and then he will set up some time to talk with you to help you. They say the number of people with student loan debt has quadrupled in the last 10 years. The average American has three credit cards. We constantly get letters in the mailbox telling us that we're pre-approved. Who gets those? Do you ever, you ever get those like you're pre-approved? Just raise your hand up high just so if you get those letters pre That's awesome because some of you have been looking for approval your whole life. The, uh... That's not funny. Constantly giving that out. Of families that make $75,000 a year, only 1%, 1% donated one-tenth of their income. As we get ready to close today, here, here's the numbers and statistics, Dr. Brad, that I think should be a wake-up call to the church, to the body of Christ across our nation. Look at these numbers. Baby boomers, those born 1946 to 1964 make up 41.6% of the donor population. You see that? Gen X, those born 1965 to 1980, that would be where I would fall, make up 19% of all donors. Gen Y, those born between 1981 and 1997 are 7.1% of donors. You see the trend? Why? Why is it, are people skeptical? Are they suspicious? Are some people scared? I had a guy in the lobby today. I had a guy in the lobby today tell me that he hadn't been tithing. It's not, it's not like a rigged part of the message. He just told me in the lobby today. He said he hadn't been tithing. Today he decided I want to tithe. Wanted to give $200. Told me in the lobby. If I said his name, you would know him. He, said, he's just, he serves here and involved here. Said I wanted to tithe. Haven't been. Wrote a check for $200. Felt like I didn't even have it. Things are so tight right now. Said he got a call before church today from a guy who owed him some money. Went and picked it up, $201. He's like, God covered the tithe and I get a dollar. But is it, is it that element of just like we sing when Pastor Kristen is leading us, we sing, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to trust you. But it's hard to trust them sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to really give and be generous when you're like, ah, oh, I got so many other areas I got to take care of. Verse 39, we will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the house of our God. Junior Powers and some of the team just the other day was telling me they're going to take days off and time off. They didn't know what I was preaching. I'm just telling you what they shared with me. I was already preparing. They're like, we want to come and we want to touch up the lines and touch up the parking lot. We want the bases around the poles. We want to get all of that done. 
I had a, one of our greeters, I'm trying to see if I can see him here, lives in Ashland, owns a painting company, just like two weeks ago. Again, I've been preparing for this message and they wouldn't know, but he's like, I own a painting company. What if I get colors of all of the different walls and paint in the building and every week I come in and just touch up some of the walls in the areas that got nicked up. You get kids running around everywhere and pe- just touch them up to keep it fresh. I didn't even know, but just like on the inside as I've been preparing for my message, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. What if we defied the odds? What if StorySide becomes the model? What if people come from around to say, I know that nationally trends are looking like this, but there's this church in the middle of nowhere that cares about the wall and the paint and the parking and the property and sharing the gospel and giving and generosity and kids' ministry. You've got to see this church. What if we became that church? This says we will not neglect not only this house of God, but ultimately you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Did you know that? You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. We will not neglect the house of God, whether or not it's how we care, ourse- care for ourselves, taking rest when we need it, a sabbatical, serve one, sit one, getting refreshed spiritually so we're not just a statistic, we're actually a name. We matter in our relationship with God. What if we're that church that takes care of his house? takes care of our house. Would you close your eyes today? When I talk about feeding people downtown lined up across the square, I get so excited. When I talk about Freedom Nights the other night, almost 30 in here, two guys for the first time, I was so excited that we're helping people find freedom with addictions. When I talk about supporting missions, missionary R.C. will be here in just a few weeks with us, and I think last year we gave him 5,000, 8,000, whatever it was, it's Christmas tour, I'd have to look again, but I get so excited when I, when I see what we can do. But there's no excitement for me that compares, no excitement for me that compares to when I do what I'm going to do right now. And that is pray if there's anyone in the room that you don't feel like you're right with God. You've either never given your life to Christ or you know, you know that you've got a little bit sidetracked and you're not as close to Him as what you would like to be. The Bible says when someone repents, all of heaven rejoices. As much as I love the ministry of StorySide, there's nothing that compares to that moment when someone makes a decision for Jesus. It's my favorite part. So if you're here today or you're online and you've never given your life to Christ or you know you need to recommit to Him, I would love for you just to raise a hand right now just to give me the opportunity to pray with you today. Thank you over here. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, sir, right here in the third row. Thank you right back here. One, two, three, four, fifth row. Thank you. And thank you all the way in the back. I see your hand going up. We don't just have a metal building and 60,000 square feet and some lights. And I see a hand just shot up all the way in the very back row. We don't just have all of this just to say we have a church building. 
I believe that God's blessed us with all of this so we can see life's changed. Life's changed. I pray over every person right now that would say, I want to be saved. Thank you for raising your hand today. Thank you for having the boldness and courage to say, I need a Savior. The Bible says when we repent, which means we turn, we turn from sin and we receive the free gift of salvation. When we confess, when we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, the Savior, that He'll save us. I thank you for every person in the room and online making that decision today. I thank you for people that are sidetracked, that are saying, I'm not where I should be with God. I'm not even where I want to be. God, help me to get back on track. I thank you that you are hearing their prayer today. That when we sing that song, so will I. It's not like it's everyone else serving God and I know that I'm not in right standing. We could actually sing it and mean it. When you need me to obey, so will I. When you need me to serve, so will I. When you need me to follow, so will I. When you need someone to worship, so will I. Not someone else, me. I accept the responsibility, so, so will I. And I pray these prayers in the amazing, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Storyside, would you celebrate with those people who raised a hand today? Come on, heaven rejoices. Let Storyside rejoice today. Let Storyside rejoice today. Can we stand all over the room and sing it out? If you're physically able, shoot a hand up to them and let's sing. So will I.